You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. So this week, we've had just an incredible time. I have some friends that have been visiting, pastors Danny and Jamie Schultz from Spokane, Washington of Sun City Church. And if you were with us at our leaders meeting or at the last two nights, you got to see them minister and speak, and you know, know how incredible they already are. But I just want to say that, uh, you know, Danny and Jamie and I have just begun serving together on the lead team for Mana House the last year and a half. If you don't know what Mana House is, I talk about it often, but Mana House is just kind of our larger family. It's our something we're a part of where we're working together, we're relating together to see the kingdom of God extended. And over the last couple of years, I've gotten to get to note uh, Danny and Jamie a little bit more. And then even just last month, my wife and I went and spent uh, about a week in Spokane, Washington. Not Spokane, Spokane, um, Washington. And really got to just see their church and the incredible work that God's doing there. You know, one thing I love about traveling around to see other churches is that you see that God is working everywhere. You know that, right? He's not just focused in on one area or one place or one people group. He simply is looking for willing hearts who are drawing on him to move in their region and in their city and in their place. And it's just awesome to go to some place you've never been and see God moving in incredible ways. And so I just want us to welcome Danny as he comes up and gives the word and just kind of imparts into us today. Come on. Come on up, Danny. Good morning, good morning. How's everyone doing today? Good to see you. You're all doing mediocre. Let me, get, let me give you one more shot there. How's everyone doing today? How's it doing? Good. There we go. Come on now. It's great to see you. My name is Danny. This is my wife, Jamie, in the front row. As Greg said, we're from Spokane, Washington. We've got three children there and moved to Spokane from the Boise, Idaho area to start Sun City Church about eight years ago. And I uh, have got the pleasure of getting to know Greg and Jessica over the last several years leading together in our family of churches. And uh, so excited to get to be with you in upstate New York. This is our first time in your part of the country. Uh, we spent like one day in New York City, which is nothing like this. Aren't you, aren't you so glad you live where you live? Let's go. Come on. Now, this is a beautiful area. We spent uh, yesterday just driving around and seeing rivers and lakes and driving through the rain and eating some delicious food and uh, seeing the spot where the ships come in and just uh, enjoying the country. And, man, it was so good. You guys live in a wonderful spot. You are blessed of God to live where you live. And you're blessed of God to be in a fabulous church in this part of the country. I hope you know how how grateful you should be for what God is doing in Messina and all of the surrounding region. And aren't you thankful for your pastors? You guys have amazing pastors. I don't know how many people get to come and tell you this or not. But man, Pastor Greg and Pastor Jessica, they have such pure hearts. And he's the kind of person, as we've been spending time a lot together these last few months, 
uh, and just says it like it is, tells you the truth, authentic. Yeah, you know, uh, Jesus' disciple where he says, he has no guile. That's the kind of pastor that you have, which is so good because we're living in a day and age where there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes in ministry that doesn't always come out to the forefront. And I'm telling you, with Greg and with Jessica, what you see is what you get. And uh, you should be thankful for that. That's something that is wonderful to have in a leader. Can we do this? Can we just honor Pastor Greg, Pastor Jess? They're amazing. All of your team, you guys are fabulous. Hey, I got the invitation to come and talk to you about worship, something I am extraordinarily passionate about. In fact, I think you're going to be kicking off a series today uh, about the subject of worship over the next several weeks. And I just want to share a little bit about my story. I grew up in a very conservative, old-school, traditional church. My parents, uh, my dad was raised Catholic, my mom was raised nothing, and she couldn't really find her way into the Catholic church very easy, so they settled on a uh, Protestant church, but very conservative worship culture, not a lot uh, in terms of expression, nobody lifting their hands or clapping or singing very loudly, just very reserved. And so I grew up uh, thinking, you know, this is kind of how church is and what happens and made some friends. And then one day, uh, a guy that I had met in school invited me to join him for his youth group. He, he needed a musician, and I had taught myself to play the drums in high school. And so he goes, well, why don't you come check it out? And I walked into this little youth group, probably 30 or 40 kids in there, and uh, walked into the room, and they started leading worship. I was sitting in the very back, and all of a sudden, what they did just scared me to the very core of who I was. They began lifting their hands and singing with all of their heart. I remember looking down the row, and the kid that I went to P.E. with in my high school, he's crying as he's lifting his hands and singing to God. And I remember having this thought as I looked around. At, my first thought was like, who are these freaks? What are they doing? My second thought was they think they're singing to someone. And I had never had that thought in my life. All I had ever had was attending church services and singing songs about Jesus. But there was never a thought in my heart or my mind that we would actually be singing to someone that was out there listening to us, appreciating the worship. He might talk back or engage with us. That was never a thought in my mind. And as I looked around, I thought, like, these kids believe they're, they actually have an audience with God. They're singing to someone. And for the first time in my life, I thought, then, if they think they're singing to someone, that must mean God is real. And if God is real, I probably need to change my life. I'd never read my Bible. I'd been to church, you know, every Sunday for years and years and years. Never read my Bible, never considered anything that was in it. Lived the, basically the way that I wanted to live was on my own path toward my own destiny and whatever I wanted to do. I was certainly the Lord of my own life. And it was in a moment of worship surrounded by young people who are passionately worshiping Jesus that it caused me to reconsider everything that I was living for. Changed my whole life. All of a sudden it put me on a trajectory of wanting to give that away to as many people that I said I could find. As I continued to, to attend this church, uh, I would learn what it was to worship with all of my heart and lifting my hands and singing with all of my heart to God. It changed me. Forever, It ended up being a, a marker on, on my destiny and what we do with our life now. But I want to start with scripture today and talk to you a little bit about worship. And it's important not only in the house of God, but it's important in our lives. And I want to start in this place, Luke chapter 19. 
little context here. This would be what we call in church Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter. Jesus is going to come into Jerusalem riding on the donkey. It says this in Luke chapter 19, verse 37. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples, they began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. Somebody say loud voice. Loud voice, very good, for all the mighty works that they had seen. So we praise God with a loud voice because he's so great. He's so good. He's worthy of not just a quiet little reserved praise, but a, a mighty praise because he's a mighty God. Verse 38 saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And these disciples, they were lifting their voice loudly, praising the King Jesus. And they continued this loud praise until they offended the religious leaders. Verse 39, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, this is Jesus, if these were silenced, the very stones would cry out. I want you to notice that Jesus did not rebuke the disciples. Rather, Jesus affirmed their worship. Jesus tells the religious leaders, in fact, I like it this way. And all of us have this mindset that shapes what we think about God when it comes to worship. And it might be what we were taught in some church environment, it might be uh, like me, how you experienced church growing up, or maybe you never experienced church growing up, but there's going to be something that has shaped your mentality when it comes to worship and praise and singing in the house of God. That's going to be part of your story. And check it out, there's always going to be a group of Pharisees that want it the way they want it. Can you just tell them to quiet down in here? Just tell them to stop getting so excited and jumping around. We need things serious in the house of God. Can we have a little more frowning, please? We're living in a day and age where most people are making their church decisions based on what they prefer. Coming into a church setting an environment, going like, what do I like? You know, I've got my preferences when it comes to music. i got my preferences when it comes to the pastor and how he communicates and the volume in the room and what the kids' programs are like and all of the different offerings. We make decisions on church based on preferences when we might want to stop and ask the question, what is God's preferred style of worship? You know that God actually has some preferences? Hello, somebody. God actually has desires. He has plans. He has ways that he likes it. And so we got to ask the question, how does God like his worship? And God gave us this big old book in the middle of the Bible called Psalms. 150 chapters, biggest book in the Bible. And God is saying, you know what, I put this one right in the middle and I made it huge because worship is really important to me. Can I get an amen? And if you were to actually go back and study and spend time and even immerse yourself in the most traditional worship of Yahweh, what you'd find is this, clapping and shouting and instruments and noise and exuberance and excitement. It actually looks a whole lot more like a football game than most churches look on a Sunday morning. 
some passion, some excitement, right? And I want to show you that throughout the worship book of the Bible, I want you to see this in Scripture as we talk about it and lay some foundations this morning. Um, the Bible was written primarily in two languages. The New Testament was written in Greek, and the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And now we have English translations of those languages that we read, and they're very accurate and good and helpful, and you should read them. One of the problems, though, in reading in English is the vocabulary of both the Greek language and especially the Hebrew language is much larger than our English language. They use a lot more words. And when a Hebrew would use uh, a word, they don't just represent kind of a single word with a narrow definition, maybe like ours does. Uh, they would represent whole word pictures that would take a whole paragraph to explain one of our single words. And English, we use this word called praise all throughout the Psalms. As you read through the Psalms, you'll see this word again and again. You'll see the word praise. And when you read the word praise as a person growing up in upstate New York and in, in uh, 21st century America, there's something that comes to your mind. You think like praise. I know what I'm, I'm talking about. But if you go into the original language of the Old Testament, Hebrew, there's actually seven different words that are all translated into this one English word called praise. And all seven of them actually include a very vivid, different picture. So what I want to do is walk through the Psalms and look at seven Bible words in the original language for praise. Are you excited about that this morning? It's going to be fun digging into some original languages here together. Seven words for praise. If you're taking some notes on the little note sheet that they gave you, Go ahead and flip it and write some notes down. Write this first one down. Number one word for praise in the Hebrew is halal. Halal. It means to rave and to boast and to celebrate and to be clamorously foolish. How many of you guys like a little clamor in your life? Clamorous. It's like when your kids are being too loud and your preference is to have it quiet, but your kids are so loud and you just have to go like, ah, let the kids be kids. God's like, you know what, I like that level of noise a little bit. I want to see some excitement and praise that looks like clamorous foolishness. This word hallel is where we get our word that we're used to singing all the time in worship. Hallelujah. And I like it, God says, when you go a little bit crazy. God's looking for some people to get excited about him in his house. Psalm chapter 35, verse 18. Then I will thank you in front of the great assembly, and I will praise you before all of the people. I'm going to get excited. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to praise. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to get clamorously foolish. You might write this thought down. That low-key conservative praise does nothing but protect our egos. I'll keep my hands in my pockets. Make sure no one thinks anything too foolish about me. Something chill here on my Sunday morning. I'm telling you, it does nothing for the heart of God, and it does nothing for the heart of man. It does nothing but protect our egos. And you don't have to take a whole step into 
clamorously foolish praise all in one day. Like if you're newer in church community or maybe you're coming from a church tradition where this even this conversation makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. You don't have to take uh, the whole journey in one day. Uh, when I was first coming into this kind of expressive biblical praise, uh, I definitely didn't go all into the deep end of the pool in one day. In fact, I remember coming back to that youth group uh, scared out of my mind, you know, come back the next week, come back the next week. I think it was probably five or six weeks in. I woke up on a Wednesday morning, and I knew I was going to youth group on Wednesday night, and I told myself, this is the day. Today is the day that I'm going to lift my hands at church. I looked in the mirror, and I said, self, you get the courage together, and when you get there, you lift your hands. So I remember standing in the very back row, Worship team started, all the kids around me lifting their hands. And I, I got my hands at my side. I remember I looked to the right. I looked to the left. I made sure nobody was looking. And I was like this. Boom. Did it. Lifted them. I said, we'll do it again. We'll try it. Look to the left. Look to the right. Two hands. You know what hit me? At some point as I just like snuck them up and tried a little bit, what hit me at some point was, nobody's looking at you, Danny. They're all closing their eyes and lifting their hands and worshiping. And at that point, I was still making it all about myself. But something happened as I began to get the courage to put my, my toes in the water, start to lift my hands a little bit, start to sing with all of my heart. And as I lifted my hands and surrendered my life to God, something on the inside began to occur, and this hard heart began to soften in the presence of God. But I felt a little bit foolish. I felt uncomfortable. This was a form of praise, hallel praise. Let's do number two. Number two, second Hebrew word is yada. Yada, not yoda. He's a little green guy. Yada. Yada means to acknowledge in public with an extended hand. You guys want to try this one? Let's try it really quick. How many of you like the Jets? Any Jets fans? I hear a boo in the house. How, how, many, how many Giants fans we got in the house? Any Giants fans? Okay, okay, okay. How many Patriots fans we got in the house? Hey, boo, even a louder boo. I saved this one for last. Are you ready? Are you ready? How many Bills fans we got in the house? Come on, somebody. And even more than that, how many of you don't care about football? You all just did yada. Y'all lifted your hand and acknowledged in public something that was going on inside of your heart. Now, why do we do this? Why do we lift our hands? Because God asks for it. If God asks us to worship that way, guess what? He's the boss. He's the Lord. God wants me to lift my hands in worship. I'll lift my hands. God could say in his word, what I want to happen is for you to stand on your head. And guess what? I'd stand on my head and I'd praise him. It's not about me and what I like and what I prefer. This is about God. We all love this sense of acknowledgement in public, this honest, open praise. And our God loves it. Psalms chapter 138, I will praise you, Lord. Yada. With my whole heart before the gods, these little G gods, I will sing your praise. Write down number three, Barak. Barak, it means to bless by kneeling or bowing. This is to present yourself to somebody with reverence and submission in a single word. You could sum it up this way. Barak is just simply when you surrender. 
God, you have my whole life. Now, it's interesting that praise can both be bowing before the Lord in surrender or wildly dancing before the Lord with hands lifted high. Both of those things are translated in our English word praise. Psalms 103, verse 1. Let all that I am praise, Barak the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. It goes on to say that he's going to provide for every one of your needs with his benefits as we stay in this place of worship. And so when I come to that place of surrender, it's like, God, you got me. You have my whole life. You're my provider. I trust in you entirely. Come on, number four. Number four Hebrew word here is zamar. This means making music to God with strings. The the picture in this word, if you go and study the Hebrew, is you want to hit those stringed instruments really hard. This is like God saying, I want you to rock it on that guitar. Come on, somebody. Plug it in and turn up the amp and bring it. You know what this means? This means our God is cool. He, he, he wants us to bring vibrant instrumental worship. Psalms chapter 92, verse 1. It is good to praise Zamar the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High. Psalm 150, verse 3. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and with dancing. Now, Pastor Danny, you're not going to challenge us to dance up in this place, are you? It's your first time here in upstate New York. You sure you want to go there right now? Guys, tell you why I dance? I, I regularly make a practice of dancing in the house of God. Our worship team starts, and I, I move my body, and I, I jump up and down a little bit. I do that not because I like dancing, but because God likes dancing. And he said in his word, praise him with the dance. So there isn't any scripture that's like, well, except if you're Danny. Except if you live in Spokane, Washington in 2023 where we don't dance anymore. And I'm like, okay, if this is what your word says, this is what we do. And I grew up going to a super conservative church. Eventually I went to college at a Nazarene university. And I just want to, you know, I love you all Nazarenes. But when I went to NNU, Northwest Nazarene University, they had a rule, no dancing. No dancing in church, no dancing in the city, no dancing in the clubs, no dancing everywhere. I actually think that they didn't believe in premarital sex because they thought it might lead to dancing. <laughs> Maybe. Just a thought. Praise him with the strings and the pipe. Praise him with the clash of singles and praise him with the resounding cymbals. God says hit those cymbals hard until they resound. Praise of heaven, the praise of heaven is louder than the loudest waterfall on earth. Number five, this word, you might recognize this one, shabach, shabach, to address in a loud tone or to shout. Come on, somebody, God likes the shout. Psalms chapter 63, verse 3, your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you, how I shout before you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. Um, can you imagine if you went to a Bills game or a Giants game or whatever game that you like? Maybe you like baseball or basketball, but let's just talk about football for a second. Can you imagine if you went to a Bills game and you were forced to be quiet during the Bills game? They get the ball down all the way to the, you know, red zone, and they, you know, do an amazing end-around play, and they're coming to the end, and they get around the corner, and they dive, stretch out their arms, and make it over the pylon, and it's a touchdown! And then there's just like, 
Do you know how awkward that would be? Be so weird. And there's something inside of us that when something mighty and victorious happens and we score, we're like, yeah, victory. Listen, I'm not going to give my best shout for some team that doesn't know who I am and make it louder than the shout that I give to God who made me. He's going to get my best praise. The Bills, the Giants, the Jets, the Patriots, I don't care who you like. They aren't going to get my best praise. My Jesus is going to get my very best heartfelt praise. Come on. Number six is Toda. Toda, to lift hands in adoration. Man, I think this is interesting. Two of the seven Hebrew words for praise, they include the lifting of the hands. But this is different than the other one. This isn't lifting hands as public acknowledgement. This is lifting hands with adoration and surrender. When the worship leader invites you and encourages you, come on, let's just lift our hands. What they're trying to lead you to is this Toda-type worship. Psalm chapter 50, verse 23. Whoever offers praise glorifies me, and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. Last one is tequila. Tequila, exuberant singing. We're not saying tequila. We're saying tequila. Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise, his exuberant singing will continually be in my mouth. God, I'm all in with my whole heart. I'm giving you Tehillah type praise. And here's the point as we boil down all of these Hebrew words for worship. You could write this thought down. Worship is love expressed. What is worship? Worship is love expressed. And it's not worship if it's not love. And it's not worship if it's not expressed. Now, how many of you guys, um, you've ever heard of the Five Love Languages book, right? Best-selling book on the number one bestseller of Amazon like every single year forever since Gary Chapman wrote. It's amazing. Five Love Languages book. And so you've got different types of love languages. My wife's love languages is gifts. She loves presents, large presents, small presents, late presents, early presents, birthday presents, everyday presents, flowers, doesn't matter. She just, it just makes her so happy if we have a thoughtful, intentional gift. And how many of you guys know there would be some trouble in the Schultz household if I was like, well, I know you like presents, but I don't like giving presents. What I like is quality time. So let's just hang out together all the time. How about words of affirmation? I really like to tell you how beautiful you are, but I know you like it this way, but I like to give it this way. That would be a problem. How many of you guys know it would be a problem if I gave a, a wedding present on our wedding day, like a ring? We're going to be married for the rest of our life and say, that's it. I already told you on my wedding day that I love you. Don't you know? I already proved it to you one day. If anything changes, I'll let you know. That would be a bad day in the Schultz household. If I'm going to have a relationship with my wife, you know what has to occur? Expressions of love on a regular basis. I got to express something. Can I just let you know this morning? God, who you have a relationship with, has a love language. Has a love language. Now, maybe we have had enough this morning about all the Old Testament stuff. What did Jesus have to say about worship? Let's just finish with one more set of ideas here. Mark chapter 12, verse 20. And one of the scribes came up, and they heard them, the disciples, disputing with one another and seeing that he had answered them well. He asked them, 
which commandment is the most important of all? This is a student of the law. He's an articulate scribe. He's capturing all the details. He say, Jesus, I'm having problems with these 440 plus commandments we're supposed to be following. Could you simplify it for me? And what Jesus does not say is, uh, no, you got to do all of the commandments. You got to keep all 440. He actually answers the scribe. He says, let me just boil this down for you for the most important one. Verse 29, Jesus says, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself and there is no other commandment greater than these. You're going to boil down all of the law and the prophets, the 440 commandments that we're trying to live out in the Old Testament. All down to this idea. Love the Lord. Love him. If you could just do this one, you would find that the other 439 commandments come a whole lot easier. But if you can't do this one, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, you're going to find the other 439 commandments are so difficult. And for some of you in the room, you might be walking through a season, or maybe this has just been the makeup of your own relationship and walk with Jesus. You might feel like, man, Christianity is hard. This is hard. It's like trying to obey, trying to get things right, trying to do some discipline, trying to show up, trying to keep my temper under control, trying to be a good person, trying to be a good dad, a good husband, good wife, good parent, trying to do my job well. This is so difficult. And if Christianity, you find it to be burdensome and hard, here's my suggestion to you. You might want to just back up to the main thing and keep your focus on one thing. Fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. This is the secret to Christianity. Not trying to obey the Bible, but instead falling in love with the God of the Bible. This is what enables you to live out the Bible. And Jesus said he's going he's gonna to talk to this scribe and teach him how to love God. So just write down these three thoughts and then we're going to pray. Number one, got to love God with all of your heart and your soul. To love God with all of your heart and all of your soul. What does it mean? I'm going to express my affection to God. God, I'm going to let you know how much I love you. I'm not going to sit by in times where I'm invited to engage you and just play it cool and look comfortable and chill and relax. No, I'm going to express my love to God. God doesn't really want your songs. He doesn't really want your hands. He doesn't want your clapping or even your dancing. Guess what? God wants you. God wants you. He wants all of your heart. So today you might just write down and ask yourself the question, God, what do I love the most? What do I love the most? Here's the second thing. Jesus told the scribe, he said, you want to love God with all of your mind. All of your mind. What does this mean? I'm going to focus my attention on God. So throughout the day, I'm not going to just let my love for God stay put in a little devotional reading time in the morning or something that we read at night. I'm not going to just park my love and my focus for God on a, on a moment that's on a Sunday morning, 
I'm going to think about him all throughout the day. Any of you guys like it when you get a text from your spouse throughout the day? Nobody likes it? Man, something just happy in my heart takes place when I'm in a meeting and maybe I'm working really hard and things are stressful. And then all of a sudden I get a text from Jamie and the, and the text just says, hey, I just want you to know that I'm thinking about you because I love you so much. It doesn't matter how my day has been going, it just got a whole lot better right now. And I'm so thankful for the focus that she has to stop and say, honey, I'm thinking about you. I love you. I want to do my best on that day to cut my workday shorter and get home to be with my wife. Come on, somebody. What would it be like if in the middle of your workday you just stop for a second and say, hey, God, I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. I want you to know I'm focused on you. Just invite little prayer into your life. It doesn't have to be some long formal prayer time where you pray with some rhythm or some routine, but just like Paul said, just pray without ceasing. And so here's the question you might want to ask yourself, what do I think about the most? Question number one, what do I love the most? Question number two, what do I think about the most? And here's the third one. Jesus says, you want to love the Lord your God with all of your strength. What does this mean? I'm going to use all of my abilities for God. I want to do everything that I can in life as under unto the Lord. My marriage, my parenting, every day at work, if I'm spending time around the house, do everything as unto the Lord. And when you do things for God, guess what? It's worship if you bring it to God. Well, that what I built this week, I'm bringing it to you. The way that I served this week, I'm bringing it to you. The kids that I watched this week, I'm bringing it to you. I'm bringing my whole life to you. When we lift our hands in the presence of God, what we're doing is we're offering Him the work of our hands that we gave Him all week long. It's like, God, I, I spent all week doing this with my hands and my life and my mind, and then I come in here on a Sunday morning, and I lift those hands to the Lord, and I say, God, it all belongs to you. So here's the third question. You could write it down. What do you do most? And then do it for God. And maybe today, all you needed was a little nudge. Maybe today you've, you've been very familiar with this construct of different Hebrew words for praise and what God wants for worship. And maybe today the Holy Spirit would just poke you a little and remind you, how's the level of passion in your worship? How's it going with giving God your whole heart and all of your mind and all of your strength? Or maybe today this is a new idea for you and it's like, man, I didn't know that this was what God wanted. This makes me a little uncomfortable, but like, I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to think about it. Check it out. Here's what's so crazy is you'll never actually know just how good God is until you go all in. Let me give you one last scripture. We'll pray. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. This is the message translation. I love this. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. Can you do this with me today? Can you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Everybody in the room, just bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Let's just honor the Lord, honor His Spirit and His presence in this place. If you're here today, and you just say, you know what, Pastor Dan, even as you're talking, I feel a little convicted, like maybe I haven't gone all in. Maybe when it comes to my worship, it's got a little bit cold, a little bit dull. 
I just sense it. I, I just need the Lord to stir the fire and the passion in my life again. Maybe you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. It's like been a religious routine for you. Or maybe you're new to church. This is your first time. Someone invited you. You heard there was a guest. And you're like, okay, whatever. Today's an opportunity to say, God, I'm ready. Ready to make that decision. I'm not going to go halfway or just kind of wade into the water. I'm going all in with my whole heart. Whatever you want, however you want it, whenever you want it, I'm all yours. Maybe today for the first time you're ready to make that decision. Or maybe today you've, you've made that decision a while back, but you kind of drifted away. And you, you're ready to say, God, I need to return to my first love. Come back to that place of pure passion. Loving the Lord with everything inside of me. Just with every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, you're just ready to say, Jesus, I'm going to give you my life. Either for the first time or for the first time in a long time. I give you my whole heart. If that's you, would you just lift your hand when I count? Three, one, two. Three. Come on, let's lift it up in this place. Amen, 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 amen. Come on, God, restore this passion in our hearts. So good, so good. Come on, let's put our hands down. God loves the responsive heart. He loves the passion in this room. Let's do this. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm just going to invite you to repeat after me. And if you lifted your hand, I'm just inviting you. Pray this prayer with all of your heart. Let's just ask God to rekindle something in our lives. Let's pray this. Father God, I believe in you. And I believe in your son Jesus. Who came to earth. Lived a perfect life. And died on the cross. For my sin. And right now, I confess all of my sin before you. I ask you to wash me clean and make me new in you. God, I give you my life. I make you my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I could live a life that pleases you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hey, can we just celebrate with those that made that decision today? Come on. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.